That Printer of Udell's by Harold Bell Wright. Read by Amy Zuck on Anchor from Grandma's Bookshelf. Chapter 8 That Printer of Udell's. Charlie Bowen ran into the printing office one day on his way home to dinner. Dick, he said, it's time you got out of this. I want you to put on your best bib and tucker tonight and go with me to meet some young people. Dick carefully spread a pile of letterheads on a drying rack, and then shutting off the power, he stood watching the machine as its movements grew slower and slower. Young people, he thought. Hmm, the Young People's Society of the Jerusalem Church. I saw the announcement in today's Independent. Church members, she'll be there. Now have the joy of seeing how near I can come to the candle without getting my wings singed. Well, I suppose a fellow can't stay in the dark all the time, he said aloud, as he turned from the now motionless press. Of course not, cried Charlie. You've hidden yourself long enough. It'll do you a world of good to get out. And besides, I always do feel like a sneak when I'm having a good time and you're moping up here in this dirty old place. Dick looked around. I've moped in worse places, he said. But I'll go with you tonight and be as giddy as you please. I'll whisper pretty nothings to the female lambkins and exchange commonplace lies with the young gentleman, and then, why, then we'll come away again, and straightway forget what manner of things we said and did, and they won't count when we meet again on the street. <laughs> That's all right, replied Charlie. You just come away and see how badly you're mistaken. I'll call for you at 7.30 sharp and he left him cleaning up for his midday lunch. When Charlie returned to the office that evening, he found Dick dressed ready to go, and a strange contrast to the latter presented to the poorly clad, half-starved tramp who had walked into Boyd City only a few weeks before. Some thought of this flashed through Dick's mind as he read the admiration in his friend's face, and his own eyes glowed with pleasure. Then a swift sh shadow came, but only for a moment he was determined to forget for one evening at least. Come on, he cried gaily, squaring his shoulders as though looking forward to a battle. My soul seemeth anxious for the fray. Charlie laughed as he answered. <laughs> I only hope that you'll come off whole. There'll be some mighty nice girls there tonight. Look out, you don't get your everlasting. When the two young men reached the home of Helen Mayfield, where the social was to be held, they were met at the door by Clara Wilson, who was chairman of the reception co committee. Glory, whispered that young girl to herself. Here comes Charlie Bowen with that tramp printer of George's. Wish George could see him now. But not a hint of her thought found expression in her face, and the cordial, wholehearted way in which she offered her hand in greeting carried the conviction that, in, that no matter what might be his reception from others, her reception, at least, was genuine. The guests gathered quickly and soon there was a house full of laughing, chattering, joking young people, and Dick, true to his promise, laughed and chattered with the rest. "'Who's that tall, handsome stranger with the dark hair talking to those girls with Nellie Graham and Will Clifton?' whispered Amy Goodrich to Clara, who had been asking her why Frank was not at the gathering. "'Haven't you met him yet?' answered Clara, secretly amused, for George had told her of the incident in the office. "'That's Mr. Falconer, from Kansas City.' "'Come, you must meet him.' "'Mr. Falconer,' she said, skillfully breaking up the group, "'I wish to present to you a very dear friend of mine. "'Miss Goodrich, Mr. Falconer.' 
Poor Dick felt the room spinning round and everyone looking at him as he mumbled over some nonsense about the great honour and happiness of having met good Miss Goodrich before. Amy looked at him in astonishment. "'I think you're mistaken, Mr. Falconer,' she said. "'I don't remember having met you. Where was it? Here in town?' With a mighty effort, Dick caught hold of himself, as it were, and gazed around with an air of defiance. To his amazement, no one was paying the least attention to him. Only his fair partner was looking up into his face with the mingled amusement, wonder, and admiration written on her features. "'In California, I think it was year before last,' he said glibly. Amy laughed. "'But I've never been in California in my life, so you must be mistaken.' Then, as Dick swept the room with another anxious glance, "'What's the matter, Mr. Falconer? Are you looking for someone?' I, "'I was wondering where Charlie Bowen went to,' he said desperately. "'I didn't know but what he wanted me to turn the ice-cream freezer or something.' Miss Goodrich laughed again. "'You're the funniest man,' she said, and something in her voice or manner brought Dick to his senses with a jar. "'Well,' he said with a smile, "'if I am mistaken, I'm very sorry, I assure you. "'About the ice-cream?' "'No, about having met you before.' "'Oh, sorry that you thought you had met me.' Dick protested to some length, with much unnecessary earnestness, and at last suggested that they find seats. Miss Goodrich agreed, and, leading the way to an adjoining room, discovered a cushioned corner near the seat. "'Do you know,' she said when they were seated, "'I too feel as you do.' "'About the ice cream?' retorted Dick. "'No!' she laughed. "'About having met you before.' "'Indeed, I'm very glad.' "'Glad?' "'Yes, that you feel as I do.' "'Truly,' she said, ignoring his reply, "'you do remind me of someone I've seen before.' "'Oh, oh, I know. "'It's that tramp printer of Mr. Udell's.' "'I... "'Why, what's the matter, Mr. Falconer? "'Are you sick? Let me call someone.' "'No, no,' gasped Dick. "'I'll be all right in a moment. "'It's my heart. Please don't worry.' "'He caught up a picture of... "'a basket of pictures. "'Here, let's look at these. "'I know nothing that has come more quiet in effect "'than the one things one finds in the center tables of our American homes.' "'Amy looked uneasy, but began turning over the pictures in the basket. "'There were some commonplace photos of commonplace peoples, "'a number of homemade codecs, "'one or two stray views of Yellowstone Park, "'the big trees of California, Niagara Falls, and... Several groups that were supposed to be amusing. Oh! Here's a pinter picture of that printer, she cried, picking up one which showed the interior of an old-fashioned printing shop with a Washington hand press and a shock-headed printer's devil sitting on the high stool, his face and shirt front besplattered with ink. That looks just like him. What? Why, Mr. Falconer, you've torn that picture! What, what will Helen, Helen Mayfield say? "'Awful sorry,' said Dick. "'I'll find her another. "'It was very awkward of me, I'm sure.' "'And then, with desperation, "'But tell me more of this printer of whom I remind you. "'What was his name?' "'Oh, I don't know that,' replied Amy. "'But he was very kind to me and offered to work at night "'to design a cover for a little book that I was having printed. "'I never saw him to thank him, though, "'for he went out when I called the next day.' I heard that Mr. Udell had a tramp working for him, and I supposed it was he, for he acted very strangely. He must have been drinking. It's too bad, for he must have had a splendid workman. 
There ought to be one of those books here. She began turning over the things on the table. Yes, here it is. And she handed Dick the pamphlet that had caused him so much trouble that night in the office. It is hard to say where the matter would have ended. Had not Miss Jameson, another member of the social committee, appeared just then and ordered them to the parlor, where Amy was wanted to play the piano. After the company had listened to several instrumental pieces and one or two solos by different girls, one of the young men asked, "'Don't you sing, Mr. Falconer?' "'Of course he does,' said Charlie, and all began calling for a song. A sudden thought struck Dick, and stepping quickly to the piano, he played his own accompaniment and sang, in a rich baritone voice, a street song. "'They tell me to go work for a living, and not round the country to stamp, and then, when I ask for employment, they say there's no work for a tramp. The song was by no means a classical one, but the manner in which Dick rendered it, it made it seem so, as he sang, There may, there's many a true heart beating beneath the old coat of a tramp. A strange hush fell over the little audience, and when the song was finished, a subdued murmur of applause filled the room while eager voices called for more. Dick responded with another selection, and then declared that he had done his share, left the instrument, and seated himself by Charlie's side. "'Good old man,' said that young gentleman in a whisper. "'But where in the world did you learn all that?' <laughs> "'Dance hall and variety,' whispered Dick. "'Never thought I'd air that accomplishment at a church social.' Charlie's reply was lost in a call to the dining room, where... Light refreshments were served to the hungry young people by waiters from among their number. Then turn about, and the waiters were waited upon. And though it all ran, the laugh and jest of the happy young folks, who thoroughly enjoyed each other's company, and who for one evening met on common ground. After supper, many games and more music, while a few of the more earnest ones, in an out-of-the-way corner, discussed the reading room and planned for its future. Then came a call for everyone to sing, and with Amy at the piano they sang song after song until it was time to go. Then the bustle of leave-taking, good nights, lovely time, my house next month, and Dick found himself walking downtown, arm in arm with his friend. Well, said the latter, how about it? Thank you for the evening, replied Dick. But say, those folks don't know me, do they? Some of them do, some don't. What does it matter? Well, tell me. Did those who know how I came to town know that I'd be there tonight? No, sir, said Charlie emphatically. What do you take me for, Dick? Forgive me, said Dick. I don't know better. Once you see my experience with church people and... Well, I'm a bit sore, I guess. Couldn't believe there were any like those. Ah, I didn't know that's all. And with a good night, he turned down the street towards his humble lodging place, while Charlie went on towards home. Yes, that's all, said the latter to himself. Dick didn't know. And that's what the matter with hundreds of fellows just like him. They don't know what real Christianity's like. They see so much of the sham. But he'll find out, though, or I'm mistaken. My, what a worker he'd make. With his experience and talents? If only once he got started right. He just made that old street song burn its way into the heart. I felt like I wanted to be a brother to every poor homeless chap in this world. 
Meanwhile, Dick had reached the office, throwing off his coat, lay aside his collar, tie, cuff. Then, seating himself in the rickety old chair, he tilted back as far as possible and fixed his feet as high as he could get them against the big press. Five. Ten. Fifteen minutes went by. Dick sat without moving a muscle. The clanging bell of the 11.30 train, pulling into the depot, sounded plainly in his ear. But still, he sat immovable. A night-hawk cab rattled over the brick pavement, and a drunkard yelled beneath the window. Still, Dick held his place. So still was he that a little mouse that lived in one of the corner of the office crept stealthily out, glancing curiously with his bead-like eyes at the motionless figure, ran, with many a pause, to the very legs of Dish, Dick's chair. Crash! As Dick's feet struck the floor, the shaky old piece of furniture almost fell in ruins and the poor, frightened mice fled to cover. Kicking the chair to one side, the young fellow walked to the window and stood with his hands in his pockets, looking into the night. Then in sullen tones he addressed the lamp that twinkled in the bakery across the way. I'm a fool. I know I'm a fool, a great big fool. I ought to have told her who I was. I ought to get out a poster and label myself dangerous so people would know they're walking to and talking to a tramp. Oh, but when she finds out, as she must, and her father... Here Dick's imagination failed him, and he laughed again and again in spite of himself as he thought of the tramp who had applied to Adam Godrich for work, chatting with Amy, his beautiful daughter, as an equal. Phew! There'll be a hot time in the camp of the enemy when they learn the truth. And he took himself off to bed. <laughs>